Hello, everyone, and welcome to the very third episode of the Lacrosse Word Podcast. Uh, today with me, I have uh, Brother Hilton with me. Hello, Brother Hilton. Hello, Sam. How are you? Uh, fantastic. I'm really looking forward to this episode today. You've been on the, the list since day one, um, so <laughs> I'm excited to be able to interview you. So okay. for those... For those of you who have not been able to hear the other podcasts, I'll just go through and what you can expect. So first, we'll have some baseline questions. And anyone who's interviewed within the future will be asked these questions. These are just like what, what's going to happen in every episode, right? So then from there, we move into our monthly segment. So this is rapid fire questions. And it's just fun. Get to know you things, right? And and only like one word answers. Some Some questions will elaborate. Um, but, but just fun questions. And then we'll be talking about brother Hilton and his interests. And I'm really excited for that, uh, that segment. Uh, so are you ready, brother Hilton? I am. Okay. Fantastic. What motivates and inspires you? Why do you get up in the morning? Um, I have a a love for life. You know, I, uh, have, as a nurse, uh, I love getting up and, and going into the hospital to help people. Now that I'm a retired, even though I don't have to get up early in the morning, I still wake up usually between three or four and five in the morning just because I've done that for 30 some years. And even as a child, uh, I grew up on a farm and you get up at five o'clock to go and milk the cows. So it's been something that's been part of my life, most of my life. And it's just, I guess I have it and I haven't broken that yet. So yeah, I admire the the early getting up in the morning. I'm at like a, a six-ish time. That's that's when I get up uh, sometimes earlier if if my body will let me get up that early. Um, <laughs> but I plan someday in the future I'll I'll be at your point and be able to get up at five and, and go do my business. Yeah. Um in your life, how have you confirmed the teachings and doctrine of the church? Well, I'm a convert to the church. So um, my introduction was the church to the church was by uh, Sister uh, Ruth Olson. So uh, I was married before, and my wife and Ruth were friends. So we went over to visit Ruth, and she was at that time investigating the church. And just a little background beyond that. Before I went into nursing, I was a history major. I love history. There's a lot of things in history that, you know, just very fascinate me. So when we went to visit Ruth, she had this Book of Mormon laying on her table. And I picked it up and she says, oh, it's a history of the ancient Americas. And I'm going, I've never heard of a Book of Mormon, you know, so I started looking at it, whatever. Went over another time and she says, well, you can have the book. They have missionaries. They have lots of those. So I took it home and I started reading it. And it didn't strike me as a book of uh, history as much as a book of scripture. So I never doubted that it was, you know, it, it just rang true to me. And so that's, uh, if, if the Book of Mormon was true and it was scripture, then that meant that Joseph Smith was a true prophet and that the church that was established by Joseph Smith was then the true church of God on earth. Uh, yeah, fantastic. I think it's fun to see how some of these historical artifacts come in and that's something that's very rich in our church is in understanding that and so uh i'll i'll jump in here so i had a cool experience where it was like two two years ago maybe i was sitting in class and my teacher was talking about 
the uh, traveling of people to different continents and how we ended up being all these different areas. Mm-hmm. And and he talked about the lame nights and like all these groups. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've I've read the Book of Mormon and they're such a significant character. So, I mean, very 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 cool that we have that in the church. Thank you for mm-hmm. sharing. So. You talked about history, um, but genealogy is important in the church. What do you know about your last name and family history? Well, I've done extensive genealogy work. Uh, Hilton actually comes from uh, either northern England or Scotland, meaning town on a hill. So I've done that research, and it goes way back into the 1300s with the name Hilton. Um I can't, I, I've kind of gotten to a stone wall with the actual Hilton line that uh, I've got it back to the early 1800s, a person coming from Scotland to America, but I haven't made that jump across the ocean yet to Scotland. But uh, my other ancestors, I've got uh, many lines that go way back to the Mayflower and beyond. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it's fascinating. And actually that was one of the things that interested me in the church when I was getting the missionary discussions was uh, as a child, my dad and his uh, siblings would get together and they would talk about this ancestor and that ancestor. And and I was always trying to put together how these people were related to me. And when I started learning about the church and that there was an actual purpose to genealogy, that you could take these names to the temple and do their temple work for them, that just solidified another part that, you know, why uh, this was the true church. Yeah, so you said you have, like, Scottish backgrounds. Does that mean you're, like, born with the purpose to play bagpipes? Is that just a gift <laughs> that you're, that like, a, it's, it's ancestral and it's passed down? Well, I don't play the bagpipes. I think I'd be divorced if I played the bagpipes. Just because I don't think Sister Hilton would appreciate their, uh, the drones uh, playing in the background. But I do love bagpipe music, so... And I always have since a kid. So even before I did all this research, uh, I had a love for for bagpipe music. So <laughs> I'll I'll say I am an aspiring bagpipist. I have uh, like practice channers, which are good for beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it is a financial investment. I'll say um, yeah, get a good set of bagpipes. But one day I'll I'll come back and I can be a freelance bagpiper just for you. And oh, you that's can, great. All the bagpipe songs you want. <laughs> so what is unique about you? Oh, um, well, I guess considering that uh, I'm a male and I'm a nurse, that uh, in itself is kind of unique. Uh, there's getting to be a lot more male nurses than what there were when I first went into nursing 40 some years ago. But, um, you know, in that respect, I, uh, I've kind of, you know, been unique that, uh, you know, there's not a lot of male nurses. I can still remember a, a patient. I walked into a room, this was many years ago, and uh, I said, hi, I'm Chester. I'm your nurse. And she says, no, you're not. You're a man. Well, within a short time, I had her uh, up walking and, and we got to be great friends. So uh, you can't overcome those things that people have, you know, prejudiced against you. And uh, you, you can't take it against them. You just have to work with them and, and show them that, yes, you are a nurse. So uh, I guess that would be one thing that's that's unique about me, among other things. So what what's the differentiating qualities between a nurse and a doctor? 
Oh, the amount of education. I mean, doctors, I mean, they go to four, they have a, a bachelor's degree to start with, and then they go to four years of medical school, uh, usually anywhere from three to five, even longer years of residency to whatever specialty they're going into. And then if uh, you want to be even more specialized, uh, you go to a fellowship, which, uh, for example, my son-in-law, Jake, uh, is an anesthesiologist, so he puts people to sleep, but he went on for a fellowship in pain management. So he can put in like pain pumps and uh, nerve stimulators and things like that. So very specialized. Whereas nursing, uh, usually your your bachelor's degree, you can, you can get an associate degree in nursing. So if you go to Western Wisconsin uh, College, you can get a two-year associate degree in uh, nursing. You take the same state boards as those who go to Viterbo and have four-year degree in, in nursing. So the state boards, you you can do mostly all the same things. Uh, the baccalaureate nurse or the four-year degree nurse uh, has uh, the ability to go out and work as a public health nurse and outside of the hospital. The two-year RN is, is trained to be just in the hospital or in a nursing home. Okay, that makes sense. So there's distinction, but it seems like both are just as qualified to go and serve the community. So thank you. Thank you for that help. Uh, I'm sure many of your patients are, are extremely grateful. <laughs> so um, now that's the end of that segment. We'll be doing these rapid fire questions. So there's like 25, some of them, um, and it's just like quick and we'll, we'll move through them. Okay. All right. So if you could serve a mission anywhere in the world, where would it be? Nauvoo. Nauvoo. What's, what's your reasoning behind that? It's got so much church history there. There's so many, you know, the different, how, have you ever been to Nauvoo? Uh, yes, I have. Okay. So the different places, I mean, there's like the, uh, uh, the little, the small houses, there's the, uh, the theater that's there, the the visitor center, the you know, there's just so much different things to do, and they all deal around church history. And I love church history, so I think that would be a very good fit for me. You would you would get to give out like historical lessons too, right? For people coming to the yeah, the significant, yeah. We were able to go down to the Sacred Grove, and that's what the missionaries did there. And I thought that'd be so cool to be able to go memorize a script and get down all the church history and go teach people about that. So do you have a favorite genre of music? Oh, I have several genres that I enjoy. If I'm like playing Pandora or something like that at work, usually I'll put on like 60s, 70s music. Um, if I'm just at home by myself, a lot of times I'll listen to classical music. Um, uh, I'm not real fond of uh, the more modern music, uh, but there are there are certain songs that I enjoy the 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 beats and stuff to them. I don't necessarily know the words to them, but uh, I guess if I had to, the sixties and seventies would probably be the era that I would listen to. Yeah, that's that's the excellent like best genre of music I think within those those few decades that we have, and we've taken a sharp turn. Um, I think in the the worst direction, but. <laughs> If, if we could just have every radio station that has 60s, 70s, and 80s music, I'd be set for the rest of my life. Do you have a favorite hymn? Uh, be Still My Soul, 124. What, what strikes you? Why do you like that song? It's just the words are, uh, it, it, it just strikes to my soul the, the, 
the importance how, how God does listen to us. And that, uh, you know, if we just be quiet and listen to him, that uh, he will, you know, he does micromanage our lives if we allow him to. And I think that's, that him just kind of brings that out to me. And uh, the music is, the, the, the music that goes along with it is just, I find it very soothing. Uh, Sister Miller, our organist, uh, when I would get up to church early, she would ask me every so often, you know, a favorite hymn or something. And most of the time I would ask her that hymn and she would play it for me while we're just setting up different things in the church. So, Yeah, I, I really like the Tabernacles performance of that, I think, within the numbers. That's a very, very powerful song. So great choice. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Invisibility. Visibility. Um, what, why, why invisibility? You know, I love, I love sitting and watching people, uh, watching what they're doing, what, watching their reactions to different things. And if I was invisible, they wouldn't be able to see me to, to see me watching them. So for me, that would be, uh, almost more, uh, enjoyable just because they would be doing what they're normally doing without realizing that somebody's watching them. Do you have a favorite people watching place? Um, well, a lot of times my, uh, Linda and I will go down and, and sit at Riverside Park and, and watch the river, but it also watching the people going by. Uh, there's such a variety of people that go to Riverside Park for different reasons. Older people just wanting to get out and walk and exercise, people out running, uh, people, in the, you know, playing Frisbee or whatever in the park. So it's, I think that's probably the place I go and watch people the most. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite beverage? Diet Dr. Pepper. Dr. Pepper. Okay. So, uh, I don't know if you heard my conversation with Sister Fauché. I did. So Dr. there's 23 different flavors that go into Dr. Pepper. So that's why it's unique compared to some of the other sodas. Okay. So I think that might be personal opinion. So we're going to have now for everyone in the ward, we'll have a Sister Fauché and Brother Hilton, Dr. Pepper and like Coca-Cola, all those beverages and we'll do taste tests and we'll just see we'll see how that works out and then and then you can talk after that if if i'm wrong then okay. then you can give it to me um <laughs> if you had to buy a food in large amounts of bulk what would you buy um bread flour bread bread flour yeah okay do you do you like to make bread i do i since since i've been retired and, and since the pandemic has has come on us uh, I've been, I'm not to the extent that Sister Fauché, I didn't do the hundred mm -hmm. different loaves of bread or whatever, but, uh, just, just making bread for Linda and I, so I would, you know, make bread. Well, then, uh, I knew that, uh, Sister Fauché had, uh, sourdough starter. So I asked her if I could get some. And so I did. And then my grandkids asked, well, what's its name? Cause my son said, well, now you've got a new pet because you have to feed it all the time. I said, well, I'll call him George. So. So George is, is uh, doing very well. I've been, uh, uh, I've had him now for several months and uh, he's been doing a great job of making bread for me. So if I was going to have something in bulk, I would have bread flour because then I could continue uh, making bread not only for myself, but for others around me. Yeah, um, I think George would certainly be happy about that bread flour <laughs> in bulk. Do you have a favorite movie or TV show? Uh, my movie would be the uh, Lord of the Rings trilogy. That's a fantastic choice. I I really aspire to be at that level. Um, I I haven't been able to watch those in a while, but I think there's certainly something I love to go back and watch. 
Do you have a, oh, sorry, you go. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, Sister Hilton accuses me of watching that every week, but it, it goes for quite a long time between times I watch it, but I have watched it quite a bit over the years since it came out. Do you have a favorite candy? Uh, as far as if I'm just going to be going to the store and picking up one, it probably would be like a Snickers. A Snickers, okay. That's that's a great choice. Um, there's like there's all those fun commercials. I think Snickers has oh, the oh, market oh. on candy commercials. I, I always appreciate their effort yeah. that they put into that. Yeah, I like the ones where you know it's like this grumpy person and everything. You hear have a Snickers, and then they're like the the regular person because they were hungry. So I love those. Is that your experience when you're eating Snickers? <laughs> <laughs> Sister Hilton will say so, but uh, of course, I always tell people I'm never grumpy. And when I am, so, uh, but uh, uh, yeah, I think there are times that I get uh, like a low blood sugar and, and something like that could just kind of get you back in your normal state of mind again. If you had to paint your entire house one bright exotic color, what would you paint it? Oh, man. Well, I'm not like Grant and would have the uh, Pepto-Bismol pink. Uh, I probably would pick... Uh, like a blue or a lilac, something like that, that would be unique. I know I have several family members that love purple of different, uh, and so I probably would have some have a purple house. I think I, I love the color of lilacs. We have a lilac bush right in, in our uh, house, and it's they, they bloom the most beautiful colors in the mm -hmm. spring. So uh, what is your dream job? You talked a lot about nursing. But if you could go beyond that, what, what would you do? Well, as a, as a kid, I always thought I would be a history professor, that I would, you know, grow up. In, and one of the things that uh, in, in growing up uh, at that point, the, uh, Myra, the Mayan hieroglyphics had not been, uh, the code had not been cracked yet. So I thought, oh, I'm going to crack the Maya hieroglyphics. Well, um, things didn't work out that way. And I, you know, went into nursing instead. But uh uh, and the, hier the hieroglyphics have been uh, translated now. But uh, I guess being a history teacher was something that I always thought that I would end up doing. Yeah, um, I mean, it's not too late if you want to find something else. I'm sure you put your all. Um, if you could master any type of instrument, what instrument would it be? <laughs> um, as, as when a teenager, uh, I was uh, raised in a little uh, town southeast here of Westby. And uh, the first girl I went out with uh, played the piano. And I would just sit for hours and listen to her and watch her play the piano. The fact that she could do, read the two different lines and her hands were moving. And it's like, so I always was fascinated by that. And even up at church, you know, different people playing the piano. I guess to have the ability to play like that would be uh, something that would be, I think that would be a good thing. So probably the piano. Yeah, I'll say um, as a musician in, in the music world, that is a pretty like renowned instrument. We admire people who can play the piano and we're, we're all sitting alongside. Uh, we're, we're the accompanists <laughs> to, to piano. They're the central instrument. Do you have a favorite book? Um, hmm. I have favorite genre of book. I I love history books. 
Um, right now I'm listening to a podcast on the American Revolution. But as far as one specific book, uh, I can't think of one offhand that uh, other than the scriptures that uh, is something that I go back to and read over and over again. Have you been able to look at the work in the glory books at all? I read all of those. Yes. Years ago I did. I'm, I'm working on it right now. And I think it's, it's pretty great. My mom talked about how uh, when she was going through and reading them that she could just retain a lot of church history. Like they sneak it into there and it's really in depth and it's, it's all correct. So I think those are amazing. Um, I, I think Gerald Lund did a great job in, in melding the fiction in with the, the church history to kind of bring it to life because you know, all the things that they talk about, you're right. They, they talk about those things in there and they all happened. Uh, but then he, he brings in the other, uh, the fictional part, the family that's going through all these things. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite church authority? Um, my favorite, I think, goes back to when I first joined the church and it was President Kimball. Uh, I can still remember uh, Brother Taylor was the branch president at the time when I joined the church. And he invited us up, uh, me up to uh, general conference, which was just a few days after I was baptized. And uh, the priesthood session, President Kimball gave a talk about and I don't remember what the, the actual theme of the talk was about, but uh, there was uh, a poem about don't kill the little birds because they make beautiful music and things like that. And uh, so I think President Kimball, and I actually got to meet President Kimball uh, a few months later, I moved to Utah and uh, I was working at University Hospital. Uh, Elder Irene's father was actually a patient at the hospital and Sister Kimball, was uh, Brother Irene's aunt. So she, uh, so anyway, she was visiting him. I thought that was Sister Irene that was sitting there. I didn't, being so new in the church, I didn't know what Sister Kimball looked like. And we were told, you know, this is uh, President Kimball's brother-in-law. And uh, then President Kimball and his uh, bodyguards or whoever they were came in. And so I got to meet him briefly uh, back in February of 1979. Wow, that's that's something to be able to meet your favorite church authority. That's that's a really cool experience. Yeah. If you had to smell one scent, what scent would it be? Lavender, you said. Yeah, lavender is great. Um, we we use that essential oil. We have a joke in our in our home. If you have some ailment or anything, just put lavender on it. It'll be fine by the next day. <laughs> have you ever seen the uh, movie um, my big fat Greek I'm trying wedding? to think maybe it okay well anyway in the movie the the father uh has a, that uh, windex will fix everything so if you have a cut on your hand put windex on it if you've got you know something that's dirty put windex on it so it it's the miracle thing that will fix everything so I don't like, really like the smell of ammonia and Windex, but uh, I do like lav or do you have a favorite uh, lavender. Song? Yes. Um. Well, my grandson, my oldest grandson, is is learning to play the viola, and uh, I keep telling him a shogun's uh, farewell, which is from the uh, uh, the Civil War by Ken Burns, which was thirty years ago that they came out. It's a very uh, that that song is probably my favorite one. Uh, back in 2013, 
my son and I went to Gettysburg for the 150th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg. And we walked through the encampment that they had of the different, uh, the Union and the uh, Confederates that were there. And there was an, actually a guy playing the viola, playing a Shogun's uh, Farewell. So that probably um, is my favorite song. If you could live in one decade forever, what decade would it be? I would say the 1770s. Uh, what what significant things were happening in the 1770s that would draw you to that that era? Well, our of course our American Revolution was taking place mostly during the 1770s. So starting in 1770 itself was the Boston Massacre, and then you get to the Boston Tea Party, and so you know, and then we start the American Revolution and uh, all the stuff that that went into the forming of our country that we have today. So to be able to live in that time, to actually meet the, the men who put our country together and, and their reasoning behind why, you know, it was so important for them to break away from Great Britain. I think that would be a yeah, fascinating absolutely. time to live in. There's a lot of stuff um, and I'd love to become more familiar with it. Uh, but but I think I'm on the, the other side of that. But I'll definitely look into that more. I think it's your your interest has sparked an interest within me. What's your favorite number? Do you have like a superstitious number or something that you you're just attracted to? Um, probably seven. It seems to be a uh, throughout history uh, a number that is uh, magical, if you will. Uh, the Hebrews felt that it was a sacred number. Several other uh, ancient uh, uh, civilizations uh, regarded seven as a very sacred number. Uh, and uh, if you're rolling dice, for example, then the likelihood that you're going to come up with the number seven is very high because the combinations to get to seven are uh, most prevalent in dice. So I guess seven would be my uh, yeah. I feel like number. on dice, if you if you add together the the side that's facing you and then the side on the other, you know, so if you do the top and the bottom, yeah, it becomes seven. Becomes seven. So that's. I, I learned that a few years ago, and right. that's I thought that was pretty cool. If you could live with any animal mm -hmm. in the world, what animal would it be? A oh, cat. Do you have any like color preferences or like personality choices? Well, uh, we had a cat for like fourteen years. It was a orange tabby, and uh, he was the sweetest cat. He, uh, while well, we got it for the kids. He eventually became my cat because in the morning I would be the one who gets up first in the morning. So he would come and sit by the bed waiting for me to get up. And then I'd go in the bathroom and he'd sit on the floor waiting for me to do all my stuff in the bathroom. And then after I got dressed and everything, I would go and feed him. So I was, you know, he became my cat or whatever. But uh, and then those mornings that I didn't have to get up and I was actually sleeping in, he would get up in the bed and pet my face to wake me up so that I could go and feed him. So but I, uh, I'm not really a dog person, but uh, cats, uh, I love cats. So we don't have any pets right now just because it's more convenient that if we want to travel or something, we don't have to worry about who's going to take care of the pet. But, you know, eventually, you know, maybe a cat again when I get old and yeah, don't want to travel. Yeah, so um, I, I liked how you talked about uh, that like your cat would come and pat you on the face because my fourth grade teacher one day came in and you could tell he was very tired and he said that his cat um that that he didn't wake up and so his cat came to wake him up and was like shoving things off of his bedside table 
to wake him up so he would he would go and feed him. <laughs> what is the best condiment in your opinion? Um, mustard. What mustard? What does mustard go best with? Um, I think it's more what it doesn't go with. It doesn't go with donuts very well. Uh, uh, I like it, you know, if I was, you know, if I just had one condiment to put like on a hot dog or hamburger, I would just put on mustard. And not that I don't like ketchup and, and uh, relish and different things to go on it. But if I had mustard, it just seems to give a better flavor to things for me. And maybe it's because it's the, the vinegar in it that gives it a little sharper taste or something. But I, I, so I like somewhere... mustard within the Midwest region, there's a museum of mustard. So one of my dad's call colleagues mm -hmm. would get me these yep. little gift boxes and they, they had like four to five different types of mustard and then they had crackers that you could try. Mm -hmm. So I, I for a while had just some little jars of mustard and they were really good. I didn't know that mustard could have such a variety. It, it extends very large beyond oh, what yeah. we think. <laughs> Yeah, not just the yellow mustard, yes. Um, I think, I've never been there, but I think it's down in New Glarus, Wisconsin, uh, the Mustard Museum. So Yeah, you I should let me sometime. know what, what it looks like. I was always envious of people who had gone. <laughs> if you could master the art of making <laughs> one item, what item would it be? You know, I, I have a friend that does woodworking, and... You know, to him, it's an effortless thing to, to make, you know, beautiful things out of wood. And everything that I touch with wood, it seems like it's a disaster. So I always uh, am, you know, I always admire people that have skills that can make beautiful things. And to me, things made out of wood seem, because they're from a living thing. I I think that would be something that I would, would you, like. Would you make some historical replicas out of, out of wood? <laughs> I can see me doing that. Yeah. I don't know what it would be, but yeah, I could see, you know, I guess because I don't have that skill, I haven't thought about it, but yeah, I could see myself making uh, historical replicas of maybe you, you know, could discover something and then launch yourself into that career of being a historical professor. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite maybe book so. in the Book of Mormon? Book of Alma. Book of what, Alma. what strikes you in the Book of Alma? Why do you like that? Well, there's so many things, you know, that uh, you start out with, you know, Mosiah and, and uh, King Benjamin, the, the, the whole, the sermon of bringing the two peoples together, the, the uh, uh, people that came from uh, Jerusalem later after the, uh, the Nephites came over, uh, blending them together, the whole um, Alma the Elder, Alma the Younger, his whole conversion uh, to uh, from trying to destroy the church to being the prophet of the church. Uh, and then all the different wars that go on, just to, the evolution of the Nephite society over that span during the, the book of uh, Alma. And then in the book of Alma, I think my favorite uh, chapter is chapter 32, where he talks about uh, faith uh, growing, you know, compared to a seed and how you plant it and you nourish it, that it grows. And I found that to be so true in my life that, you know, if if you can find something and you, you, you test it and see whether it's actually going to, you know, is this something true or not, 
And, uh, you know, if it is true, then it will grow and blossom and, and Heavenly Father will confirm to you, the Holy Ghost will confirm to you. Yeah, that I think I true. just got out of uh, Alma in my personal scripture study and I, I really enjoyed looking through. What makes you laugh? Oh, there are so many things. I mean, uh, my grandkids doing something funny, you know, just... Um, watching uh animals doing you know out in nature doing things like otters if you watch otters there's so much fun just to watch them um yeah a good joke a good joke will make me laugh so there's a lot so of things now i'm going to make a statement here that out of the last three people no one has said that recording this podcast with me makes them laugh so uh if there's anyone out there Who's who's coming and is going to be interviewed? I expect to have them say that I make them laugh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you do, Sam. I've been laughing a lot during this. So uh, yes, in your you opinion, what is that. the best season? I would say summer. Um, things are, you know, there's there's good things about all the seasons. I think my least favorite is winter, only because I really don't like the cold. But, uh, you know, springtime, everything's coming back to life. Fall is, you know, it's cooler. There's not as many bugs around and, and it's a nice time to go hiking and stuff. But summer is, everything is kind of alive and vibrant. And, and uh, you can see the fruits of your labor. You can plant a seed and you can see it grow and you can harvest the fruit from that. Uh, <clears throat> you can go for a walk. I mean, you don't have to worry about putting on a whole bunch of clothes to go out walking. Uh, you can, yeah, I just, I, summer is a very favorite time of mine. And I, you know, my, my wife really doesn't like the heat, but it doesn't bother me as much as it does her. So, so I don't mind the heat So you mentioned how you don't like the cold in winter. That must be pretty hard because I've heard you really love ice fishing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who um, are you talking to? Okay, so growing up, growing up. My parents love to go fishing. So their, their time, you know, on the weekend, we would come up to Lacrosse, to Goose Island, and we, they would go fishing. And I would fish for maybe half an hour, get totally bored, and then I would bring books along and I would read my books. Just because it's like, so when I was, after 10 years at Gunderson, you can pick different uh, prizes or whatever uh, thing, gifts that they give you for your, your service. One of the gifts was a fishing rod. I thought, oh, great. Maybe now as an adult, I would appreciate fishing more. So I bought a fishing license, went fishing. It's like, nope, don't like it any more now than I did as a kid. So then I see people sitting on the ice, freezing their butts off fishing. It's like, okay, they are really idiots out there. So yeah, fish, ice fishing is okay. tops on my so list. So there was a lot of discussion last night. Um, and my dad said, I heard that Brother Hilton hates ice fishing more than anything. So... Somewhere I knew I needed to sneak that in. <laughs> I mean, I love fish. I love to eat fish and such. And But, you know, the most fun I ever had fishing was uh, one time, this is many, many years ago, when uh, Brother Peak's father was still alive. And the Altar Company, which is a scrap metal uh, place, was over on French Island yet. And brother, the elder Brother Peak, had uh, soaked some uh, dried corn in a cup and you'd put a, a piece of uh, corn on a, a hook and drop it in the water. And within 30 seconds, you had this big carp that you'd pull out. 
And that was that was fun because you actually didn't have to sit there for a half an hour waiting for a fish to come. They were all around this barge because the, the barge had corn on it. So they were looking for the corn to eat. And then uh, Brother Pete got the, the fish all prepared. Then Art and I went out to his grandmother's place out by Sparta and smoked them the next day. So we had fresh smoked carp. Oh, so good. So I love eating fish, but you know, if I have something like that where I can catch them right away, I enjoy it. But uh, yeah, otherwise just sitting there waiting for a fish to maybe swim along to eat your bait so doesn't excite me. So my uncle testifies to the story in which he um, used licorice for fishing bait and that was all the fish were coming and it was pretty popular. So if, if you want to try something new, hmm. if you want to give fishing a, a second chance or a third chance, uh, use licorice. Maybe maybe that'll be your, your luck that'll get you into the sport. <laughs> if you became I'll have famous, to remember what that. would you become famous for? Oh, um, well, right now, I guess in, in nursing circles, I'm famous because I'm the president of a nursing organization. So, you know, my name has gotten out there for that. And I guess that's not a bad thing to be famous for. Um, I can't think of anything else that in my life, you know, other than I enjoy helping people, you know, with their genealogy and such that, uh, you know, like when we uh, get ready to go on a temple trip, uh, helping youth find names for the temple, uh, getting them signed up for family search, things like that, so that they can actually go and do family history work. Uh, but I can't think of anything else that, uh, I guess I'm a very boring person that uh, I'm not looking for a lot of fame and, and fortune. I'm yeah, just happy I, I to be me. Yeah, I know sat down previously for for some temple trip genealogy stuff, but maybe Bishop will work with getting you as like the the ward genealogist, <laughs> and you can you can work your way up from there to to stake then to on a on a national level. <laughs> um, if you had to run to any celebrity at the airport, who would it be? Oh, um, let's see. I, I, you know, I, when I heard that you asked that question to the other two, I started thinking about it and I still didn't come up with anyone that, you know, it's like, uh, I can't think of anyone that, uh, really stands out that I really have a desire to really, to run into, I guess. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. pass. I don't, okay. I can't think of it. So that's the end of that segment um, with, with the rapid fire questions. So now we're going to talk about you. So I've heard you really like to, to travel. Um, and we, I think you mentioned that mm -hmm. just a bit before when you're we talking about pets, right? But what are some of your travel highlights? What, what, what are your favorite things? Well, um, I think that one of the things being a nurse has, has given me the opportunity of traveling more than I would have, I don't know, maybe not otherwise, but so I've been to Peru six times on medical missions. And each time I've gone to Peru, I've been able to see different sites while I'm there. So uh, we've, I've been to uh, Cusco and Machu Picchu twice, uh, the Nazca Lines, um, Paracas, uh, Chan Chan, uh, so I've been to several places in Peru that, uh, you know, I probably would never have gotten to had I just been uh, on my own. And then uh, I've been asked, uh, I've, been, I've spoken in China because of my nursing career 
uh, twice. So the first time I went was, I think it will be five years ago, that uh, I was invited to go to China to uh, speak at a conference in Shanghai. Well, I figured, well, if I'm going halfway around the world, I'm going to see some other things. So I went to Beijing and saw the, the Great Wall, the Forbidden City, the Temple of Heaven, and then went to Xi'an and saw the, te the Terracotta Warriors, uh, then on to Shanghai. And then the next time I went, I just went to Shanghai. So uh, I've had those opportunities of traveling there. Around the United States, um, just be uh, in the fall of 2019, I was going to the nursing conference uh, in New Orleans. So uh, Linda and I drove down, uh, on the way down, we saw uh, Lincoln's tomb in his house, uh, Shiloh, uh, Vicksburg, uh, the battlefield at New Orleans. And then while we were there, we went to the uh, World War II Museum. And if you ever get a chance to go to New Orleans, that's the one thing I would definitely say that you should see. If you like World War II at all, that's probably the best museum I've ever seen on it. It's like five buildings. We were there from 10 o'clock when it opened until it closed at five, and we still hadn't seen it all. So uh, I was hoping that in 2020, our nursing conference was supposed to be in, in Boston. I was really hoping to go to Boston because I've never been into New England Wall. And yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward to after the pandemic is over to being able to travel. Okay, so there. at this point, I'm realizing how humble you are because I asked you about being famous and you said, I don't know if I'm if I'm pretty significant in the nursing thing, right? People know my name, but you were invited to go to China for a nursing conference to speak. So I, I'm... I don't know what to balance here, if I should trust you or if I should if I should pull into the fact that you went to China. So very cool on, on an international level. You've been to a lot of places. So when you are invited to go on a medical trip or to go on the conferences, uh, what, what does that look like? What's your schedule? What do you like to do? Well, the, the medical missions to Peru are a lot of work because uh, basically, you know, the, the the one year especially, I was the only nurse that had gone on this um, mission that could scrub uh, ears, nose, and throat surgeries. So uh, some, from seven, or before seven in the morning until sometimes seven in the evening, we're doing surgeries all day long. So and it's the months going up to So you've got to gather all the medical supplies, um, making sure we had a, 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 pre, a priest in Peru that was our uh, contact person. And he would help us get all the visas and everything that we needed to get all our supplies in and all of that. So it was a lot of work going on the medical missions to Peru, but it was very satisfying because these people, not that they couldn't get the medical care because they have socialized medicine in Peru. So everybody has access to it, but um, all the doctors have to work for uh, the, the government in Peru. So in the morning, they would work at the government hospitals and do, you know, but just an example, in Lima at the children's hospital, they had one tray to do ear surgery. So the surgeon would do one ear surgery a day. So uh, we went down and we did like four or five ear surgeries every day. So for a week. So we did like 20 ear surgeries in a week, whereas the doctors there only did one or five in that same period of time. So it's not that they can't get the, the uh, then in the afternoon, the doctors have their own private clinics and people who can pay them come to them. So they get to do, you know, more surgeries and stuff like that there. So um, 
that was very rewarding being able to do that. But it yeah, was a lot of work so also. That's that's really something. So you go on on an international travel to go do work. I, I imagine that'd be pretty satisfying to be able to go provide that service. So then on mm-hmm. I'm it assuming is. like the conferences that you were able to go to, like that's that's a bit less work than having to do those surgeries daily. Yes. So the conferences, I'm, you know, they asked me to give a talk on a certain subject. And and in fact, I've been asked to give a talk again this fall at a conference in Shanghai. But because of the pandemic, they said that I could record it here and I'm not going to travel to China this time. So um, and uh, basically they're looking to see what the impact of the COVID pandemic has been on nurses in America. So I'm going to, you know, I'm I'm starting to put things together for that. that's something. So you're going to be able to record and send that to Shanghai. Then what is your audience looking like? Who's going to be able to hear that? Well, I think in China itself, you know, most of the people that were at the conference the last time I was there, there was a huge amount of people at at this conference. And uh, most of them were from China, but there was people from Australia, from uh, Singapore, uh, Japan, so different, you know, they draw in from a lot of areas from the from the uh, Far East. Um, I'm thinking that because travel is so hard now with the pandemic, that most of them probably will be just Chinese, and it might even be just people from Shanghai. I'm not sure how much travel in, in China has opened up now since things are, you know, yeah, with the pandemic fantastic. and such. Um, well, I think from here we're going to wrap up. Thank you very much for coming and interviewing. I love to be able to hear more about you and your interests and then all this conference stuff. It's it's very, very intriguing. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank so you thank asking. you everyone to home at, at home also. Um, we'll be able to publish this out by Sunday, hopefully. Um, and then we'll for sure get one out by next week. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Brother Hilton.